Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. Thank you for being here this evening for our Bible study, our second lesson as we are working through the book by Dr. David K. Bernard, The Oneness of God. It's a study, not all encompassed within this book, but it is a great book to follow along. I am thankful for oneness scholars and apologetics, the opportunity to seek Him, to know Him. The Lord, the Lord uh, dealt with me in prayer about tonight. I want everyone to zero in on what I'm about to say. I was excited to teach on the oneness of God and the Lord spoke to me. He, he challenged me that when we discuss His oneness, it should never be arrogantly. Our confidence should never turn to arrogance. But when we speak of Him, we should speak of Him with humility and with reverence. Ladies and gentlemen, let it not be said of anyone in the house, young or old, that we are not burdened for someone who might not, they might not know Him in the full power the revelation of who he is. I found myself clinging to the scripture from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 where he wrote that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings that I may know him. Before we begin tonight, I'm asking everybody in the room to pray a prayer with me. We've just praised Him. Our worship team has led us to worship Him. But I want us to pray a prayer that we may know Him. Not just about Him, but that we may know Him. Would you pray that with me before we're seated tonight? Lord, let us love You enough that we desire to know You. Not just about You. Not just how to defend doctrine and articulate revelation but that we might know you that we might have a deep and a personal consecrated relationship not only to you but with you we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and if you want to know him, would you say amen? amen? God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Tonight we're going to we're going to take this next step and we're going to talk about the nature of God. Received great feedback after our lesson last week, and I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God. I want to echo what Brother Turner said moments ago, what the Lord has been doing here on Sundays. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, to God be the glory for what he has been doing. We are thankful, aren't we? We're thankful for what the Lord 
has been doing. Um, and so I want to, I want to say that in some of that feedback, one of the things we talked about and heard about that is a part of this plan over the next several weeks is even some, not just arguments against Trinity, we, we sometimes talk about that or, or stance there, but, but what are some of the great questions against the oneness or that have people confused? And so we believe the Lord's going to help us during this series uh, to bring clarity and shed light. I don't want us to ever think there, there is this terminology that crept in uh, somewhere that you can't understand the oneness without some private revelation. I don't believe that. I believe the Word of God reveals itself. And if we're not careful, people use, now I'm, I'm not taking any shots, okay? But people use terminology like that to excuse their ignorance of the text. Well, you just need to get a revelation for yourself. Well, it's a good way to get that revelation. Prayer and the, and the word of the Lord. Amen? All right. Amen. Here we go. John chapter 4. We're talking tonight that God is a spirit, and we want to talk about the nature of God. Everyone say the nature of God. John chapter 4 and verse 24 in this very famous dialogue between the Lord Jesus Christ and the woman that is there at the well in Samaria, we hear these words in the midst of this dialogue, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible reveals it consistently from Genesis 1 and 2. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters all the way to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. The spirit and the bride say come. Hebrews 12 and 9 calls God the father of spirits. The Lord, God, is a spirit. Of course, our small human minds, some maybe smaller than others, cannot discover or comprehend all there is to know about God. I, I want to say that and I want to hold on to that. It's a statement that is made in the book, and I want to expound upon it just a little bit. The characteristics and the attributes of God and the miraculous power of God. Even his word tells us that, that, that there would be so much to record. It's beyond what we can record, much less what we can comprehend. If you can, if you can completely reason away your God, I would say he is no God at all. Let's talk about spirit. The Hebrew word translated as spirit, ruach, can mean wind, breath, life, anger, unsubstantiality, region of the sky, spirit of a rational being. The Greek word translated spirit, pneuma, that's what you're more familiar maybe with hearing, pneuma, or the, the breath that, that current of air, breath, blast, breeze, spirit, soul, principle. Uh, and, and you can see the rest there moving on through that, the way that it is translated out. But we most, we most typically think of it in Numa as the breath of God. And we know the breath of God, as many of you have heard preached in, when God breathed his, into the nostrils of Adam. How many remember that? Breathed into the nostrils of Adam. 
But then also in Acts chapter 2, with the outpouring of his spirit, it was that God breath. I heard one preacher say it this way. He, he breathed into the world when his spirit was poured in. You know, Paul would say the body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and we talk about the rapture or the catching away of the bride. And, and for illustrative pur purposes, I remember a preacher many, many years ago. He said, he said God breathed out. And there's going to be a day that God goes... Wow. Let me say this as we launch in talking about our God and his nature. I want my nature to desire to please his nature. I want to do what it takes to get in alignment with him. So let's talk about some of these characteristics. And I recognize part of this tonight is preaching to the choir. But if that's true, the choir likes being preached to. That's part of being in the choir, so to speak. Being part of the body of Christ. We love to hear about him. And so let's talk about some of his characteristics here tonight. God is omnipresent. Because God is a spirit, he can be everywhere at the same time. He is the only spirit. Be clear about this. That is truly omnipresent. Every other spirit being such as demons, angels, Satan himself is confined to specific locations. I'm going to pause on this Wednesday night and I'm going to tell you just in case you don't know. We give the devil too much credit. Not everything is the devil. Well, the devil made me. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, there is some stuff that, that I do believe that those who fail with him and those that, who may work on his behalf, and I believe in spirits. And Brother Turner, you didn't know I was going to talk about this portion of this tonight, but what you were just sharing, that testimony. I do believe in the scripture that says there's a clean house where the spirits can return. I think we have to be guarded. That's why we guard ourselves against what we entertain in and what we, we guard ourselves. And there is real spiritual work. And I do believe that there are real spirits spirits that are at play. But I will tell you this, sometimes we give the enemy credit he does not deserve. We're giving him tallies on the board that are not his, and we've got the devil everywhere all the time. It's just not biblical. He's not omnipresent, but I'll tell you who is. The Lord is omnipresent. He is everywhere, capital S, big spirit. He is everywhere at all times. I think I mentioned it last week. I want to mention it again because I feel it so strong. There is this constant thing back and forth between the enemy, Lucifer, this fallen angel, angel who in Genesis appears as a subtle serpent and by revelation is revealed as a great dragon. There is this constant desire of growth and intimidation and manipulation and he takes multiple forms and different fashions. But we see everything about him was the desire to replicate what can only be found in God. It can only be found in God. It can only be found in in God. His desire was for the Lord to worship him from the beginning. It's the same thing we watch in the wilderness when he is manifest there. He is desiring the Lord. He is desiring the Lord to bow and to worship. And he tries to emulate, tries to be like, tries to, the goal, please hear me, the goal is replacement. Not replacement theology, replacement of God. 
That's the goal. And, it, and it's, it gives us that understanding of like a roaring lion. You heard me say, I believe last week, he's trying to be like a roaring lion, but we know the Lord to be the lion of the tribe of Judah is one of his many things. But he is omnipresent. I'm gonna tell you, he's here and he's at your house. He's here at this church. I'm gonna shock some of you. He's at your job. He's there. There is nowhere we can go without him. Solomon recognized God's omnipresence when he prayed at the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8 and 27, if you're keeping notes or want to have that. But behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. 2 Chronicles 2 and 6 and chapter 6, God declares his omnipresence by saying, the heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Now, we're going to talk about this here in a minute. I don't want us to get caught up thinking God is kicked back in a lazy boy of heaven and got his feet propped up on the footstool or the ottoman of earth. That's not what this is saying to us, but it is speaking to the grandeur, speaking to the size, speaking to his ability. When I was a little kid, we were taught this way. He's got the whole world. You know what? I don't want to graduate from that kind of simple faith and believing that he is big enough, strong enough, and in tune enough that he can handle it all. Anywhere you want to go, he's there. Psalm 139, 7 through 13. We'll put them on the screen for you. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me. Thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. Mm. Mm. Even what? Even the night. Boy, that's a good verse to preach right there. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Let me get on a soapbox here for a second. We don't believe that life starts at birth. We believe that life begins at conception. We believe that when conception occurs, now we're adults in here. If you got a kid in here tonight, that's on you. I'm an adult class. I'm going to teach. Okay? We believe, I'm going to talk. Okay? When the egg and the sperm come together and there is conception, we believe that that is when life begins. We do not believe that any doctor, any nurse, any medical in... We don't believe anybody has the ability. Once that thing comes together and once the Lord, the Lord has begun to create that life and that, that one-of-a-kind DNA is formed and it begins to be created, here's what I believe. The Lord has a plan from that very moment for the life of that child. Well, come on, clap like you don't want me to stay there very long. Just... Thank you. And God knows. God is omnipresent. But if he's omnipresent, why does the Bible describe him as being in heaven? Well, here's some reasons. It teaches us that God is transcendent. 
Okay? In other words, he's beyond our human understanding and he is not limited to this earth. Let me pause and say, thank God he's not limited to our understanding. Thank God he's not limited to our understanding. It refers to the center of God's reasoning and activity, his headquarters, so to speak. It refers to God's immediate presence. That is the fullness of God's glory and power, which no mortal can see and, and, and live. As you read there in Exodus 33, you find these statements in the book. I believe in them. Also, it may refer to the visible manifestation of God to the angels in heaven. It cannot mean that God lacks omnipresence or is limited only to one place, or is limited only to the one singular body in that sense. And we're going to talk through that in the Old Testament here in just a moment. But I want to remind us when it says the Lord is in heaven, we're not saying the Lord is not on the earth. I would tell everyone and anyone who maybe your faith might be waning, or maybe your faith is not to the robust place it needs to be, you hear me, assuredly as we are sitting in this room, the Lord is in this house. The Lord is in this place. And I believe in the end. I didn't plan on talking about some of this, but I'm going to, okay? We talk about the entertaining of angels. How many know the Bible tells us that we entertain angels unaware? You've heard me preach about this. You've heard many others. We do entertain angels unaware, and we must be careful how we treat people. And I thank God for the angelic. Talking about angels is not mysticism. It's spiritual, and it's biblical. But our goal is not to please the angels. Our goal is to please the Lord. Our goal is not to seek the angels. You'll hear people pray. Who's ever heard prayer and said, Lord, let your ministering angels... You know why that's our reference? Because it was the ministering angels that came and ministered to the Lord. It is after the attributes of the Lord revealed to us in Christ that we pray. And so we're not praying. We thank God for the angels. We thank God for the ministering angels. If you don't believe in angels, you keep it. But I believe in Gabriel and I believe in the archangel Michael. I, I believe in the angelic host. I believe the Lord can put the sword in the hand of the angel and the angel can come and he can destroy that yoke I believe the angels can work on our behalf. But I'm telling you, at the end of it all, the reason that we honor that is because we honor the Lord and we honor his omnipresence. Thank God for those ministering angels. And I don't in any way want to sound degrading. I want to be righteous in the, in the uh, government of heaven. I want to be righteous with my words here. I thank God for those righteous and those ministering angels. But our desire is to please the Lord. I'll tell you what draws and attracts that angelic presence that he is pleased with. It's what has always drawn them. It's worship of the Lord. Those who left him did not want to worship him, but those who did worship him were drawn to him. That's why we are unapologetic in our worship of the Lord. I'm not talking simply worship and praise, like clapping our hands and lifting our voice, but I'm talking a lifestyle of worship that is separate and righteous unto the Lord. It's why our medley tonight was singing about him, because we want him to know it is our desire to Worship him because he's worthy. If you don't think he's worthy, you're missing it. But I believe you do. I think that's why you're here. And he's everywhere. Well, if he's everywhere, why is my child sick? If he's everywhere, why do I feel him at church but not at home? 
I've had students ask me, if he's everywhere, then how come I feel him so strong at camp? Here's my question. What do you do different at church than you do at home? What do you not do at camp that you normally do at home? How many videos did you watch at camp? Well, I didn't want. How much time a day did you spend on your phone at camp? Well, I didn't know. There's a reason we feel him the way we feel him in, 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 in the building and in the gathering and in Hebrews declaring to us that we come together. Because when we come together, listen, ladies and gentlemen, if we're doing this right, when we come together in the presence of God, we don't surf Facebook on our phone and we don't get on social media and we don't clip our nails. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not even teaching hard at all. I don't want this to be misconstrued. When we come in here, our focus zones in on Wednesday night for an hour to nothing but blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and Lord, let your word be opened up and let it be revealed. I'm saying all this to say, God is not more powerful at church than he is at your house, but he might get more attention here. God's not more powerful. I've gone to camp my whole life. I told people working at the Illinois campgrounds probably saved my life when I was a teenager. Hearing that and, and, and receiving the preaching I heard there. But it wasn't those hollow campgrounds that saved my life. And I know there are geographical places in the text that seem to be more open. But I'm going to tell you, even the very portals of hell cannot keep him from purging in. And moving on behalf of his people. So yeah, I thank God for the campgrounds. Whether you grew up in Indiana or Illinois or somewhere else. But it wasn't those campgrounds. It was the attention on those campgrounds. It's the focus. Man, I feel the, I feel the presence of God right here. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should not ask him for anything. Maybe we just thank him that he's everywhere. That he's omnipresent. That he's in this house. But that he's at our house. Somebody just tell him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Earth isn't empty when we say God's in heaven, and heaven's not empty when we say God came to earth. Right? Take a glass. Fill it full of nothing, God. <laughs> it's about this invisible, the spirit, this omnipresent God. So here comes the question, does, does God have a body? How many have ever heard some of those funny questions? I remember when I was a kid, Brother Roberts, we get into conversation. Brother Roberts and I got to talking history the other night. He's a history buff. I remember when I was a little bit younger, people always wanted to say, did Adam have a belly button? How many remember? Since God created Adam, was Jesus Christ Adam's identical twin? Adam did not come through Mary, so I say no to that. Sorry, some of you are like, I'm going to talk to you about that. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what we need to consider. Does he have... Does he have a body? This is often asked. Now, separate from theophanies, which we're going to discuss here in a little bit, there is some clear, clear usage of anthropomorphisms and, and, and let's just say human attributes. Human attributes. 
How many have heard about the heart of God? The heart of God, Genesis 6. Scripture we mentioned a moment ago when God said that heaven was thrown and earth is his footstool, as I said there, you know, from Isaiah. It doesn't mean the Lord is kicked back. We've got to be careful even though we know that he came in the form of of Jesus Christ. We've got to make sure that we don't try to we don't try to make God just a big guy. He's beyond humanity. When God said that his, his right hand spanned the heavens, you, sometimes for us and the way that he helps us in Scripture is it gives us this, this vivid, illustrative imagery, the right hand of God. But it's speaking to the power and the authority of God. It would later be revealed. How many remember Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, would say, all power. On earth, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. It didn't, it didn't stop or cease for one area, one place, one time, one dispensation or the other. How about in Proverbs? The eyes of the Lord are in every place. It helps us. We, 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 we get in this place where we visually see these eyes, but it's just letting us know the Lord is seeing and he is watching. When Jesus casts out devils by the finger of God, the finger of God, Luke 11, it's talking about the exercised power of God. How about Exodus 15? The blast of God's nostrils. If you're not careful, you picture these big giant oversized. How many remember the giant, the, 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 the east wind that came and It was just saying God's in control of this. If he wants to drive the sea back, he can do it. He can blow the wind. Would have been enough if he'd have created a bridge. It would have been enough if he'd have let them wade across. But no, no, no. He put it all the way to dry ground. It was describing and descriptive of the power of God. Man, I feel prompted to tell somebody on this Wednesday night Bible study, if he can part that sea, he can Part the sea that you're standing at the edge of right now. I didn't plan on saying that, but man, I feel prompted to tell somebody if he can turn that Red Sea into dry land by the burst of his nostrils, he can look at your current situation, whether it's a Wednesday or a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday. He's not restricted by days and he's not restricted by, by these particular areas. Well, I don't know. How many know that we read his hand is not short, his eye is not dim, his ear is not... We've got all these different analogies and he's, what he's trying to do is he's trying to allow us to understand in our finite thinking whatever we need, he is able. He's omniscient. Somebody say he's omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He is all-knowing. His ways are above our ways. Give you some scriptures for your notes. Psalm 139. 1 through 6, Job 42 and 2, Acts 2, 23. Just a few there to get you going if you want. They'll be on the notes later for those who want those. He's omniscient. He knows, he knows, he knows. If you're, if you're an honest person, you've been in a place, have conversations with, with people on a weekly basis dealing with real life, and sometimes you want to say, God, do you not know what I'm going through? But he was tempted in all. He knows. 
For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our, he knows. If he knows, then why isn't he doing anything? There is no temptation but that which is common. And how many believe if he allows you to walk into it, he'll allow you to walk through it. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the ability. You can read the book of Job. I love reading the book of Job. You want to talk about all powerful. Whew. When the devil, how disgraceful was it when we got told by the book, we got told by the big book, Brother Zach, that the devil had to go ask permission. He said, have you tried my servant Job? He said, you put a hedge around me. I do believe in hedges, and I do believe in that. We heard some teaching on that even at our camp meeting, but I want to tell you this. The devil is not God's opposite. We do that, we do that. God and the devil, like cold and hot. And no, 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 no. He's not his opposite. He is his imitator, not his opposite. And God, God is all-knowing. He's all-knowing, and he is all-powerful. Somebody say he's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. When I was a kid, we used words like that a lot. I don't think we do a lot anymore. We need to maybe resurrect some of this. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. There's a song. Some of you that have been in the choir, you're thinking, you got that song where, omnipotent, my. At least that's where my mind went. Some of the singers. He's omnipotent. And it's more than lyrics to a song. He's, he's, all, he's all powerful. Genesis 17 and 1. Here's some, here's some verses for your notes. 35 and 11, Job 38 through 41, incredible read. You need to, this is where, you know, when, when the Lord, when God and Job get in this dialogue, <laughs> where were you, Job? <laughs> How many know God can back you down? I don't, I don't, I don't want him to have to humble me. We don't want him to have to prove himself again to how many know that we shouldn't need any more signs to know he's God? Most of us in this room have heard thousands of messages. We're not one message away from really believing. We're just one verbal expression from accepting it. Sometimes, sometimes you got to speak it when you don't even feel it. Anybody besides me ever have to do this? Anybody ever feel like a crazy person? You got to look yourself in the mirror, talk to you. You're better than this. The people that are laughing, you've done it. People that are real quiet are like, I didn't know he did that. I do every now and then, I do. I just talk to me and I, at the time that I'm praying. Listen, he is powerful enough. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. 1 Timothy 6, 15. Titus 1 and 2, I put those in red. Let's, 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 let's read Titus 1 and 2, and let's read Hebrews 6 and 18. Titus 1 and 2, we're going to put it on the board. Open it up in your Bible if you can. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 6, 18, I want to say it again in the same way. That by two immutable things... 
in which it was impossible for God to lie. One of the greatest eye-opening moments of my childhood, Brother Marcus, was when I heard my pastor. I was just a young kid when I remember. I can still hear him, Robert Goins, that great gray-haired elder that would get up, and I'm telling you, he would preach until his lips were blue. Remember, the older I got, the more I realized he had circulation issues. But he's preached till his lips were blue and it was powerful preaching. But I can still hear that elder's voice preaching, God cannot lie. And if he said it, he meant it. Man, I hit that in the Red Sea thing earlier. I hit it again tonight on this Wednesday night. He cannot lie. What he told you would happen. What he has promised you would come to pass. I want you to lift your hands with me in here tonight. He is not a liar. The devil is a liar, but God is not a liar. Whew. Man, I'm in it right now. I, I feel like I have poked, I've poked it in the spirit right here. There's somebody in this room, the enemy's tried to convince you God lied to you or some preacher along the way lied to you or some parent, they told you about the promise of God and you've, I'm telling you, God cannot lie. He did not lie to you. He's gonna keep you and he's gonna sustain you. And he is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. I get my eyes on the chaos of this world, I would begin to question his. He's able. What do I cling to? I'll tell you what I cling to in the last days, saying, I will pour out of my spirit. On who? On all flesh. Telling you, I know there's been enough naysaying tongues against it, but some of you got kids that are going to come back to God. They're going to run back to the altar. I want somebody to be joining me in prayer. I want divine intervention. This powerful God to kick his way into some rooms and into some bedrooms. And I know he's a gentleman. Listen, I know that we preach him. Brother Faulkner, we teach him, our students memorize, we teach him as a gentleman and that God will not force himself. And we all have free will, I know that. But I also understand that he is a table-flipping, righteous king. And he has the ability to move. I'm telling you right now, there are people in this room that have prodigals that have wept in the last week and you don't know it, but they've been in a place and they, they've smelled a smell or they've seen a sight and they've felt the presence of God and they might be trying to run away from it, but there's also prodigals that have returned all over this room. I don't ever ask this, I don't think. If you were a prodigal but you've returned to the Lord, I want you to stand. If you were a prodigal, you were away from God for a period of time. Look around this room right here tonight. This isn't just for you. This is for hell to know. He is all powerful. He's drawing and he's, he's pulling. It is the nature of God. Brother Lash, what's the nature of God? Jesus told us in a parable, the nature of God was in a father that was watching a father that was watching, and in Jewish custom, it never would have happened. It never would have happened that a father would have ran off that porch. It would have been insulting, but it was the humility and the desire of God. 
Say, oh, you can't create a doctrine out of a parable. I'll argue. <laughs> He's watching. He's waiting. He's. And if we want to have characteristics and attributes like Christ, then we, like the Father, must be preparing a fatted calf. When the... Get the ring ready. Get the robe ready. Take that fatted calf. Feed him one more time. I think part of this last day revival is going to be an absolute revival of every person that's walked away. Pastor, how can you say that? There are people that have been disgruntled. There's people that have walked away. Everybody in this room has been disgruntled at some point. There ain't one person. If you're in this room and you've never been disgruntled, everybody's been disgruntled. I've been disgruntled. They've been disgruntled. You ever been disgruntled? Probably been disgruntled today. Ever. We all get disgruntled. You know why? We're human. We're human. Frustrations happen. And the devil tries to capitalize on our frustrations. And he tries to capitalize and sow seeds of hurt and bitterness. But all it takes, man, I feel that in the nature of God, all it takes is one moment in the presence of a loving father. God, you're omnipresent. Go to where they are. Be with them. You're all powerful. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll lift your hands and just love God with me for a moment. You're stronger than the addiction, you're stronger than the vice. You're stronger than the temptation. You're stronger than that idol. You're omnipotent. And you reign, God. Reign in their life. Now, let's pray for a minute. I can't get away from it. Let's just pray. Let's just pray all over the room. Let's just love God and pray. If you know a prodigal, start praying for him with me right now. If you you know somebody dealing with sickness, he's all powerful. Start praying for him. Ah, Draw them. Oh, my, my, my. God, we worship you. I pray against that sickness in the name of the Lord. I pray against that turmoil in the name of the Lord. It's not of our own ability, but you're you're omnipotent and you reign. You reign. There's people in this room that dedicated those babies to you a long time ago. 
They made you king a long time ago. Oh, come on, there's prayer sweeping through this house. Don't be a spectator right now. Only participation in the room. In the name of the Lord. All powerful. All powerful. Abel, Abel, well, Abel. How many? Mm. How many remember a week or two? Uh, it was a week or two ago. I, I got on this thing about God's going to open up. God's going to open up for the job. Remember this? People that were having a hard time. Uh, even on attending church because of job and situation, the Lord. It was a pocket kind of like this. It was a pocket just, just very similar to this, and something happened. And you got to forgive me. I, I preached so much. I don't know if this was yesterday or two months ago. But, but something hit me. Pastor Lopez and I started talking about that. We started praying through this room. Felt the Lord opening that up. Somebody texted me this week. Came up to me on Sunday and said, you know that I've been trying to get this role that's going to it's going to change and give me ability to be in the house of God. It's a role that I don't know that I can get. Text me yesterday and said the Lord gave me that job. The Lord opened that up and gave me that job. I'm sharing that because I feel to tonight to tell somebody he's he's powerful enough. He's powerful enough for the heavens to be his throne, but he's personal enough to care about your job. If, he's cared, if he cares and knows the hairs on your head, Brother Staten, I can't believe for a moment, I can't believe, I, I, can't, I, just, I just can't believe for a moment that he could be concerned about the hairs of my head, but not be concerned about whether or not I'm able to be in his house. Stand with me. Huh. 
I want somebody that needs a breakthrough in your job to take that testimony and lift your hands right now and begin to worship the Lord. I didn't get to a bunch. It'll be on the notes. You can just go to the notes and find the rest of this. Lift your hands with me. Come on, we need these divine interruptions. We need these divine moments with the Lord. Come on, let's turn this whole place into an altar right now.